Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Uh, Okie Not very enthusiastic. And we are joined for this week's Politics Roundup by producer Matt Lippman. How are you, Matt? I'm very well, thank you, Michael. See, Matt's very well, Alan. He's very British. He's not okie-dokie. Yeah. Well, shall we discuss this week's complete collapse of any semblance of normalcy in our government? Because our topic this week is that we're going to fourth elections in two years. Or, or the collapse of any illusion that we have Sigh. a functioning political system. Well, yeah. Political okay. system. So, By the so way, I just want to say talk I, about... I'm stressing political system, not government. Right, right. I, I think right. that's, the I parties think that's a fair uh, distinction to make between the two. So I'm going to make a brief summary to get us uh, sort of a snapshot of where we are, and then we'll explain it to the listeners who have seen the headlines. But of course, we need to go behind the headlines, as I said in that little recording at the beginning of the episode. So basically, uh, after the last elections... There was a unity government that was supposed to last for at least three years where Netanyahu would be prime minister first and Benny Gantz would be the prime minister second. They would switch places. That was supposed to get us through all the corona difficulties. And instead, what happened was because they were unable to pass a budget, the government ceased to function. And so now we have to head towards elections once again. However, there's been real shakeups and breakups within the parties. And so I'm not saying the results will be different in the fourth elections, but the parties running will look significantly different. How did I do as a quick two minute summary of what we're up to? Not bad. I just want to know, clarity. I just what want to know clarity on why the budget issue was the. Whoa, not bad from Alan. That's a rate. <laughs> why was the budget issue not the, the issue? That brought down the government, right? That's what they the government now has collapsed over. Yeah, that was a set time bomb that was easy to trigger. That if if uh, I don't know exactly why that was the issue, but it was by law they had to have it passed by what was it midnight a couple nights ago, yeah. and they weren't able. So to... originally it was August, right? It was it was it was August, I think, right? And then they did an extension to December. And and it, it's important to point out, by the way, that this was the 2020 budget. Right. And in case our listeners aren't aware, <laughs> we're a week <laughs> away from the end of 2020. So uh, you can see why it needs to get passed before the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they, there was an effort with that many people thought would work to extend it once again into 2021. And that effort failed at the last minute. Yeah. I mean, in other words, it so, yes, it did. And, and that, of course, was also a get-out that, and whether it was intended originally as a get-out, but it was intent, it was signed in as part of the deal, this uh, prime minister sharing arrangement that Mike referred to at the beginning, the, the one way that that arrangement was not going to come into effect would be if the budget was unable to pass. So many commentators, I, I don't know if this is true, but many commentators were claiming that this was Netanyahu's way of getting out of having to hand over the uh, the prime ministership to Benny Gantz. Yeah, it was the one. It's hard to know it's, if it's true, but it's hard to give at this point BB the benefit of the doubt. Well, it was apparently also. one of the loopholes in the negotiations that they missed 
um, Gantz's side missed, that if the government mm -hmm. falls over the budget, basically, it, it doesn't transfer over because in the original agreement, if one party or the other brings down the government, then the other party automatically becomes the prime minister for the remainder of the time. Um, but this was one of the loophole, except over uh, like a budget thing or you know. So it's shenanigans. Okay, so that's Basically, what happened. It's now, in, in the past, again. it's political shenanigans. It's always shenanigans. It's just. But what I would suggest is, fellows, that we break down the story by personality. In other words, those are the events. What role did each player play? And so I think the players that we need to look at, obviously, Bibi Netanyahu the Prime Minister, Benny Gantz, the, what is his alternate role exactly? Prime Minister. Alter, alternate Prime Minister. He's, right, he's the Defense Minister and the Alternate Prime Minister. Yeah. We need to look at uh, Zev Elkin. I think we need to look at... Uh, Gidon Sar. Um, uh, Gidon Sar. Yeah, Gidon Sar is before yeah. Zev Elkin. So... Uh, uh, and if we have time for it, I think we have to look at what happened to Yeshatid because that's another fracturing of the political status quo. The parties are really fracturing. Okay, so let's look at this from Bibi Netanyahu's perspective. He agreed to this unity government. Why would he not want it to continue to fruition? What's your best and what's your most... Uh, generous and least generous assessment of why this happened. And most Israelis, by the way, on polls, as, as much as we can rely on opinion polls, most Israelis say it's Bibi's fault because mo cause most normal people think it's bad to have four elections in two years. Most Israelis, at least on the polls, are, are blaming Bibi for the fact that we're going to new elections, the majority. Although that doesn't mean they won't vote for him. Uh, but most Israel, I don't know if it's the majority or the well, plurality. Yeah. More Israelis blame right. Bibi. And than most Israelis either. don't vote for Bibi. Don't forget. I mean, it's not that. It's that we don't correct. Twenty eight percent. Yeah, I mean, we don't have. We, we vote for parties, so it could be that you know, that there are a number of parties that go with go yeah, with Bibi yeah. who wouldn't necessarily vote for him. Correct. But I'm just saying you might blame him for this and be mad at him for this, but say, but I'm still going to vote for him for that. Right. So okay, why did Bibi do this? What are his motivations? You, why did he not get a budget passed? Or is, it, is yeah. that the question? Yeah. Assuming that he had some okay, role so he, in this, which I think is correct, why did he allow it to take place <laughs> this way? Why didn't he make sure that that budget got passed? Did not get, did not get passed. Yes. Well, because, yeah, you uh, could ask the question either way. Same question. Okay, so I, I think if you're, if you're not being generous, which is my tendency in this case, um, is because he wanted to protect his position of power. And, as, and why does he want to protect his position of power? Firstly, because he wants to be in power. Um, and secondly, because of the court case, the charges against him. Yeah. We know he's been indicted on three charges of breach of trust and, 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 those, and fraud and those sorts of things. And, Bribery. Um, and fraud was it bribery breach of trust right etc so um by doing um he basically wants to protect his pos his position and protect his uh himself from the from the upcoming court case um one of the subplots to this is the justice minister is from the blue or the current justice minister avi nizenkorn is from the blue and white party 
And he mm-hmm. was trying to keep a separation between the role of judges and the appointment of judges, the appointment of different uh, legal positions within the system. And Netanyahu wanted to have a much more active role in deciding basically who was going to be trying him um, and prosecuting mm-hmm. him. And Avi Nizenkorn said, no, no, you have to have a separation between those two things. And Netanyahu said, I don't want a separation between those two things because mm-hmm. I would like to have a, a role in deciding who is prosecuting me. Um, and that was one. Of, and even at the end of this shenanigans, or as you called it, um, there were attempts by um, Netanyahu to undermine Avi Nizenkorn, take power away from him, from the justice minister. And Blue and White said, no, no, you're crossing a red line. And... That was one of the ways it all collapsed. I think I don't know that that's ungenerous. I mean, he's explicitly doing these things. He's trying to get control of the team that's prosecuting him. And he also wants to get this. They call it the French law because it's based on some law that they have in France that he cannot be pro- prosecuted for his crimes as prime minister or even right. former prime minister. He, he's clearly working on his personal legal situation. And since he couldn't get what he wanted, the collapse of the government gives him uh, uh, the ability to fight another day with a new government that maybe he could get these things done. Uh, so, and then I'll, so I'll go the political route that my, Matt went the legal route, which is that uh, mm-hmm. in the last, in general, but certainly in the last two years that we've been going in this cycle of election after election, um, Netanyahu generally tries to figure out when it's going to be best for him to go to elections. <laughs> And it's better for him yeah. to go to elections as prime minister, um, which means he needs to mm-hmm. go to elections before the summer. Because for the, in the summer, with the coalition agreement, it means mm-hmm. that Gantz gets to be prime minister. So he only has a small mm-hmm. window until, right, they think it's, what, 90 days there has to be an election or something from when the government falls, whatever that is. So mm-hmm. he certainly had to, had to bring it, uh, if, you know, t- at a sooner point to prevent Gantz from becoming prime minister. And I guess, you know, his assessment was, you know, better now, um, and, you know, maybe it can form a stronger coalition um, without Gantz and and the, the center left, let's say. Um, he also has all these new deals with Arab right. countries that are very popular mm-hmm. here around Israel. And so with the change, the ending of the Trump administration, he might have a rockier relationship with Biden. So he might not have these sorts and of the beginning of the vaccination, which means that in about right. 90 days, exactly. the government mm-hmm. assessment is, you know, within about 90 days, the country is going to open up because we'll be we'll have reached, you know, the herd immunity with the vaccination. So therefore, we'd be going to potentially be going to elections just as we kind of pull the proverbial, uh, you know, locks off the off the doors and everybody's able to go back to normal life so those would be big boosts i think in netanyahu's cap so you guys one's giving you matt you're giving a uh, legal reason uh alan you're giving a political reason but they're both in the self-interest of benjamin netanyahu is there a lofty generous ideal you know uh uh is there a way to read him as uh, thinking beyond himself? Well, I guess if you if he really thinks he can, yes, I I, I think there is. Go ahead, fellows. Yeah, I, I I I'm not sure I'm not sure it's as convincing to be honest, but I think there's definitely a way to say. Look, it's obvious that this government wasn't functioning the way a government should function. 
So if he feels that by breaking the government up and forming a stronger coalition, as, as, one, as I think it was Alan said, that's taking away that centre-left, but more a, a stronger um, a stronger coalition, which is more based, to, has more in common with each other and is stronger towards the sorts of things that he wants to be doing, then the government can actually function much more effectively rather than being bogged down by infighting and backbiting and not really functioning properly. But if they have a stronger coalition, they can function properly and get us through the next period of corona and economic collapse and all the terrible things which are happening around us. Yeah, Agree, Alan? more or less what I was going to say. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But are you convinced How- by that, Alan? That's the question. Um, I mean, I think it is in his mind. I do think it's in his mind. I just, I just don't know if it's. Okay. I just don't think it's his priority at this point. Uh, that that's just. I think. Yeah, it, and it doesn't matter. In other words, I think when you're a political leader, you should be. Uh, uh, above the appearance of self-interest to the degree that you don't have to ask uh, the voters to blindly trust you when you clearly have self-interest involved. And so it doesn't matter if he's totally being selfless when trying to defend himself legally, which I don't even know what that means. Uh, it's still problematic. Okay. What about uh, Benny Gantz? He got into this because he wanted to have a unity government to 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 avoid this cycle of constant re-elections, that has failed. We are going to re-elections. He made the deal that he would become prime minister. He will not be becoming prime minister. Uh, how did wh- what happened here? And he he you know he didn't make the compromises necessary for the budget to pass. So why is that? What what what? Why didn't he work to make sure this worked? What happened there? Well, I, I think in his case, firstly, the it got to the point where it got so ridiculous, like how often he was being undermined and how often he was losing uh, ground to Netanyahu. I don't mean like in election terms. I mean, sort of in terms of status, like the the the, the peace deals that you mentioned before with the Arab countries. Most of those were done behind his back. And as the defense mm-hmm. minister, you would think he would have a sense of what was going on. So firstly, he was just consistently being humiliated. Um, and secondly, mm-hmm. his, he was losing the support of his party to stay in the coalition. There were several blue and white MKs who said, OK, this is absurd. You joined this coalition so we could get something done, so we could govern the country. And we're not. And it's ridiculous. We have to break up. And um, I, I think that was basically the two reasons why he couldn't carry on. Anymore. I mean, it, I mean you just to uh, add to that, not so much to disagree, really, is the first of all, you had the foreign minister was... Um, Benny Gantz is number two, is Benny Gantz is number two, Gadi Ashkenazi, who was also left out of the peace deals. So it's not just a defense mm-hmm. minister, it's the, the foreign, foreign minister. minister yeah. was left out of the peace deals. Um, yeah. And I believe also out of all the vaccination and COVID stuff, they're also um, um, being left out of. So, uh, you know, Mattel is, is, is really keeping a tight rein on the government as he always does. So I guess there is a sense of partnership, and it's Benny Gantz who drew the line, the red, the you know, the budget as the red line in the sand that that was going to be, that it was going to have to be a two-year budget, not a one-year budget, um, and that was you know what the argument was going over. And they weren't willing to compromise on letting BB control his yeah. own prosecution. Yeah, that was right. a line they couldn't cross. What happens to mm-hmm. Benny Gantz's career now as a politician? 
I think it's fair to say bye-bye, Benny. Um, I can't see how he's going to carry on. Yeah, I mean, I don't okay. think I don't think anybody's really predicting a rosy future for him. Um, you know, but politics is full of surprises. You know, Ariel Sharon, Ariel yeah. Sharon in 1980, was you know whenever the commission came out from Lebanon, the Lebanese war was seeming to be ended his career. You know. Resigned in disgrace. Resigned in disgrace, yeah. could never be defense minister again, and then rose to be prime minister and maybe one of the most critical mm-hmm. prime ministers in Israel's last, you know, Consequential, you know, 25, yeah. 30 years. By withdrawing yeah. from Gaza. Well, so so for the for the foreseeable future, though, Benny Gantz has lost approval. Israelis yeah. do not see him as a possible prime minister. Being so politically outmaneuvered has left Israelis whether they respect him or not, left left the, the Israeli public seems to think that Benny Gantz is not a capable political operator or strategist. And but so I, his party, his... I, I, yeah. I have actually have a bigger question in terms of the effects of his, uh, uh, of his candidacy, which we'll have to remain and see. But if he's actually ended up um, weakening a potential center... A real center in Israel, or, or or strengthening it. You know, if the set, if the center will come out of this kind of almost destroyed, like like the left was kind of destroyed by the Second Intifada. You know, has this kind of fiasco. Well, his, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if we'll have time to get to it, but I would answer your question: Is the left broken? Uh, not only was blue and white separated from Yeshatid, but now Yeshatid is losing members. So that the party that was trying to portray itself as center has lost several people from its right to get on SARS party and now is losing people from its left. So there is no center. I mean, it, it, Yair Lapid is alone in the center. Right. So that's, so that's not, what I, that's my, right. That's exactly my question. We'll have to see what happens with the center if it's really broken now. And then that, that was the last bid for it. It's so broken that the only thing left is the pro Netanyahu right and the anti Netanyahu right. right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about the Benny Gantz thing, because, I mean, he's been decimated, right? The Blue and White has been yeah. decimated. And, and yeah. I think it's not just what you were saying before about him being uh, politically sort of outmaneuvered all the time, but it's also because the whole three campaigns that we had previously, he was campaigning on, I'm not going to sit with Netanyahu. I'm not going to sit right. with Netanyahu. And so people voted based on the fact he wasn't going to sit with Netanyahu. Once he sat with Netanyahu, everyone's like, well, now why would I vote for this guy? The, 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 there was no like real token to it. There was no like real um, um, significance to his policies as such, other than being the anti-Bibi. So now, if anti-Bibi exists on the right, which is what Gidon Saar represents, right? He's like the right-wing version of Benny Gantz was. A year and ago, Naftali basically. Bennett. Right. The, the right is now made up more ambiguous about that. So the question. About Netanyahu, I think he ben, hasn't ben been. I mean, he might turn ambitious. around. So, uh, so uh, means me another. I don't know. He spoke. He's in the opposition. Leads to me another question right. in terms of the the impact of Benny Gantz's uh, decisions and government. Do you think it is was more negative in uprooting Israelis' confidence in politicians? You understand my question. Uh, well, the, those are both great questions, Alan. I, I think what I would say is this, that what we are watching, I, I think I think that it's bigger than that. I think that what we are watching is 
a bunch of potential, a bunch of politicians who are not, whether they're leaders or not in any other format, I don't know. But at this moment in Israeli political history, in this moment of the Netanyahu era, they are not leaders for the moment. And, the, and you have all these people shifting. Neither is Bibi, really, because Israelis have lost faith in him as, a, as somebody to look up to. So you have a bunch of politicians, and they're all jockeying around, and nobody sees, the Israeli public isn't seeing any leaders. And so the politics become even more complicated. You just have this, you, what you have left are shenanigans, and Israelis basically are now going to be voting on Netanyahu or not Netanyahu, and all the important issues that we have to wrestle with, economic, social, political, even really defense. And we're, we're, we're all just looking at, well, what do we do now? Bibi has, Bibi has put a wrench in the machine. How do we get the machine working? Which is, which is a disaster. So has Gantz contributed? Yeah, every, but everybody's contributed. Everybody. Everybody. Uh, I mean, Lieberman, by, by sending us into this season of repeated election, and basically, what, what, it, every time somebody who Netanyahu uses gets sick of him and turns on him, then it becomes a broken part of the machine because Netanyahu is the machine. And so you've got Bennett broke away, you've got Lieberman broke away, now you've got uh, Saar broke away. You, you, you have this, this crumbling political landscape fighting over how to work a thing when everybody... Do you get what I mean? I don't know if I'm expressing myself clearly. Bibi is the government and people don't have faith in Bibi. And so they're all trying to operate in that world. And he's still the guy with the controls. He's still the magician. And so they all look silly as he beats them. So is Gantz contributing to the the fracturing of Israeli politics and the loss of respect for leaders and politicians? Yes, they all yeah. are. They all are. That's the only thing you can yeah, do I, at this I point. Mean, no, I mean, I accept that. Obviously, we'll never know, necessarily know how much of this and that. But I'm just thinking that as, from what Matt said uh, about his, you know, promises and then turning around and then and then it failing so convincingly like most people predicted it would, it, it you know, mm-hmm. if that's just like more than just, you know, everybody's contributing and that's, you know, exceptional contribution contribution. No, I think that's going <laughs> to, I think that's going to fall on him personally. I don't think that's going to be to the system itself because other players are not the, the, the dirtiest word, not literally, but metaphorically, the dirtiest concept, I guess, in, in Israeli culture is being a friar, a sucker. And Gantz now looks like the biggest sucker in Israeli politics. So that's on him personally. And I don't know that that's going to spill over onto other people who don't look like suckers. Say what you want about Bennett, but he's he's dodged, you know, the, he's slalomed his way through, you know, the moguls, and he's he's still on his feet. So, no, I don't think that that it, that that Gantz's failure is going to spin out onto the body politic. Let's see what Sar does. Let's get okay. to Sar. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Can, just before we get to Sarah, I just want to say one more thing about Benny Gantz. Again, I, I also don't feel like it's him. Uh, Michael's distinguishing between like in, like as an individual and 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 like politically. Um, I think everybody's just done. Yeah, everyone's just fed up, yeah. and it's not just a reflection of, of Benny Gantz. It's not just a reflection of Bibi. It's just that the whole system seems so broken, 
and so ineffective towards helping the country get through what's clearly a very troubling time, people are just like, oh, God, really, again? <laughs> but now it's different because, you know, the, the, the third election that we had a few, like, you know, whatever, a few months ago, that was at the beginning of the corona time, right? People didn't realize just how bad things were going to get. If you remember, there were special polling stations for people who were, had come from over, overseas or were in isolation, right? But there wasn't the economic collapse. Mm-hmm. There wasn't millions of kids not in school. There wasn't people's psychological fatigue from all of this, right? So mm-hmm. now this is, and people are just like done, just done, I think. Well, that's true, but that's, that's not, uh, it's an interesting question what the political ramifications of the suffering through COVID times is. Politically, uh, we are getting out vaccines like per capita, apparently, faster than most countries on yeah. earth. Yeah. And BB is personally responsible for getting the, the doses sent to Israel quickly and in large numbers. So I don't know what that means politically, although that sense of list, listlessness and despair, I think, is internationally part of the current <laughs> democracy recession that we're going to the systems of the different governments of the world are all locked in these weird spirals of failure but yeah. that's a bigger subject than than we can handle today i think okay who wants to explain the great Likud defection and the poorly named new hope party when your name is Gidon Sar. And you make a new party breaking away from the could and call it oh, New Hope. Oh, is that what it's called? I didn't even hear that. Anybody who knows anything about Star Wars, yeah, it's what, called what New Hope. So, so Star Wars, the, fir- the first Star Wars movie was called New Hope. Yeah. So it's Star Wars, New Hope is the big... <laughs> what is, what's oh. it in Hebrew? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I actually it's didn't look to see what it was. Yeah, that would be it's the translation. Okay. I don't yeah, think he's I, suggesting a new national anthem. That's not what it what it's about. Correct. And before we explain what he did and why, I just want to point out my policy as a non-politician is never give your party new in its name. Because what you're essentially saying is it will not last. Because if it's the country that's going to, if it's the party that's going to govern for 30 years, then it's going to be a stupid name. Calling it new anything means you know it's going to fall. Yeshatid is one of these positive, open to the future, but you can use it 30 years from now. But it, right. a, 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 there is a, right? But if you call yourself the new right or the new hope party, then what you're saying is, well, in 10 years, there's not going to be a party. Anyway, that's there's just going to be own a dumb. new, new hope or a new, 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 new that's, hope as you go along. Yeah, I mean, I, I, marketing I, tip one, one why do we still call it the, my marketing tip? As a marketing <laughs> expert, guys, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and that's why they don't call it the new Israeli shekel anymore. Oh, wait, they're still calling it the new Israeli shekel 40 years later. Okay, anyway, none of that makes any sense to me. Uh, who is Gidon Sar? What was his role in Likud? Why did he defect? What does it mean for Likud? What does it mean for Netanyahu's chances in the upcoming election? Matt? Who wants to explain? So, uh, so I'll start. So Gidon Sar is a longtime uh, Likud MK. Um, he's served as a government minister in, in various capacities. Um, and over the last few years, him and Netanyahu have developed a very openly hostile uh, relationship. Um, he, Gidon Saar, challenged Netanyahu to the leadership of Likud. Uh, when was, I think it was last year. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was last year, I think, already. Mm-hmm. Was it this year? He, he, he challenged uh, Netanyahu uh, to the leadership of Likud. Basically, had his 
backside handed to him. I think he got, what was it, 20%? Less. less than 20% of the vote. But Netanyahu was very... Yeah, it did not go well. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well for him. Um, and Netanyahu uh, defeated him significantly. And Netanyahu said, all right, great. Now I can basically sideline this annoyance, this irritant. I can really push him to the sideline of the party. And that's what he did um, after the last election. Gidon Sal's name didn't even come up as a possibility to get given a, ministeri- a ministerial position. And seeing as there are so many ministers, <laughs> if your name doesn't come up as a candidate for a ministerial position, you're really like at the bottom of the, uh, of the barrel. Um, and so Gidon Saar uh, recently um, decided to um, form his own party. Uh, this was before even elections were officially confirmed that they were going to be happening. I mean, I think most people mm-hmm. uh, pretty much guessed that was what was coming, but even before the elections were officially announced, Gidon Saar formed his own party, yeah. the new party. Um, on many key new positions, hope. he's considered to... Uh, sorry, what did I call it? New, well, uh, new Hope, right? So, go ahead, go ahead. Um, yeah. and, and in many positions, he's considered to be further to the right, actually, than, uh, than Netanyahu. Um, and that's what's different uh, um, from previous challenges, that there's a real uh, challenge, uh, an authentic challenge that's coming from the right of Netanyahu as opposed to coming from the left or from the center. Um, and he um, is beginning to siphon off some of Likud's uh, hottest properties. Mm-hmm. Um, one, the, the first one, which actually was a big success, was um, the Likud MK, Yafa Sasha Biton, uh, who was the head mm-hmm. of the Corona Committee, and she has a lot of populist uh, credibility because every time the Corona Cabinet tried to close down businesses, gyms, restaurants, she is the head of the Corona Committee. And let's be honest, and, until this, nobody really knew who she was. Um, <laughs> she was. She would come along and say, no, no, you can't do that because you don't have scientific evidence, or no, you can't do that because that's not, that's not logical and that's not rational. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the country had fallen in love with this woman because she was helping keep businesses open, keep gyms open, all those sorts of things. Um, so she defected over to Gidon Sa. And then uh, last night uh, was um, the turn of Zev Elkin, who uh, before we started recording, we did joke a little bit about his ministerial position as the minister in charge of water resources and higher education, because we can't quite figure out what one has to do with the other. Oh, but come now, that's go. obvious. He's, he's a minister. It's obvious if you're in charge of higher education, the next thing on your agenda has to be procuring enough water for people. So I guess I missed the. As I the Talmud the says, what is water but Torah? I don't know. I got nothing. It doesn't make go. any maybe, sense. Maybe yeah. that's the connection I missed. Um, yeah. But he um, was a, is a serious Likudnik, right? Like a serious long time Not only that, a, a Netanyahu loyalist. Very much so. And this was the one I think that people really weren't yeah. seeing that this was coming. And This, this was shocking. People, I guess is jolting people and say, wow, maybe there is something in this new hope that could really uh, finally push Netanyahu off the... Uh, well, his speech on TV, I mean, he so far what Saar did was he took the anti-Netanyahu, he's taking the anti-Netanyahu group within Likud, out of Likud. Mm-hmm. Zev Elkin joining that group is shocking and 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 in in his statement to the public about why he's doing it it's a, it's because he lost faith in Bibi that he's conflating his personal legal interests with the good of the people and he's failing in his mission i mean elkin is this super impressive super educated ideological likudnik 
who always had BB's back. So by turning against him, uh, that's that's unexpected. That's I, I mean, to see a, a Netanyahu loyalist turn to Sar is very surprising, and bodes ill for the prime minister. Think, yeah, well, that's also what happens when you back you backseat. A loyalist, right? He goes to the water and higher education uh, ministry and not. But um, yeah. I would also add to that. I, I, I mean, I think that, and this is why you, you know, sort of, you were joking about New Hope and the marketing and not a thing. I, I, they, I don't think they re- really want to leave the Likud. What they're trying to do is they're taking down BB, and we'll see. Right. You know, we'll, we'll see them as a as a faction in the Likud. Really, I think. Then they're they're not out to create another blue and white party where you're crossing lines no. and this and this. No. What they want to do? They're make Likud they great again. They want to take party. down. They want to take BB out of the Likud. They want the Likud back from from its BB control. So you know, as opposed to yeah. being a faction within the Likud, you know, because of Israel's politics allow it. Um, very similar to Kahlon, who left, you know, to form uh, mm-hmm. an, another party and then you know, came back absorbed into Likud. We see that happening. The Likudniks were focused on economic yeah. issues, broke away so that they could be a force right. for that. They got reabsorbed. They reabsorbed, and they were clearly within that, that meter of the right, you know, right part of the, of the, of the um, fence and trying to, uh, you know, influence that way. But they, they weren't really separate from the Likud. And the voters are people who feel comfortable in that camp also, I believe. But they wanted to, to focus on those issues. So it seems to me that that's really what it, what it's about. They're trying to, you know, wrestle the Likud back from Netanyahu and without, you know, destroying it, so to speak. Right. But that that was more or less predictable. In fact, I, I was wondering why it took so long. But Elkin is surprised. Well, Although Elkin, Elkin wasn't originally a Likudnik, he came yeah. in in Kadima. And Elkin too. I mean, I think yeah. actually. But then he became yeah. yeah. And remember, yeah, Israeli politics work because, you know, like, especially for the Likud, the big parties like Likud um, are very controlled by the by the um, members of Likud in terms of the loyalists who vote in the primaries. Um, and that's where, you know, mm-hmm. Netanyahu remains remains very, very strong, as exactly what happened when Gidon Saar tried to challenge him in the Likud primaries. Um, mm-hmm. so th- this is a, a way from outside of, uh, what do we call them? The apparitchiks of the party, right? The, the, yeah. you know, um, the guys on the ground, of, of challenging BB, I think, I think that that's what's going on. Any thoughts on, as we're running out of time on Ofer Shalach leaving Yeshatid? We, we spoke about it earlier that this is another, crack in well, the yeah. centrist centrist I mean that's party. been brewing for a long time that's been brewing this bit yeah yeah he's been he's been challenging and asking why have there not been primaries for the leadership and you know for for a while yeah. as, as Alan says I, I think the difference here though is he's actually um if the the rumors are to be believed right which they're trying to form sort of a a more leftist central center left party if that sort of makes sense right we said at the beginning well he's the no left he's the left anymore. end of right, the centrist clear, party that's yeah. gone um, and he's trying to, I think, I, I think Yeshatid, the, the, if, if you look at like the polls right now, right, Yeshatid theoretically could join an anti-BB coalition if that's made up of, of, of Bene and, um, and of uh, Gedon Sa, right? The, 
Yeshatid could find a could find an ideological, p- political policy home there if necessary, right? To sort of push Netanyahu. I think what this new group is going to try and do is not be that, right? They're not going to try. They they wouldn't. I think they're going to be further to the left. I hope I'm making myself clear, but they're going to be more to the left of, of the center left than than. They're trying to recreate stuff, a center left to take the place uh, to make a to res to create a new, cent a new true, left of center party, to replace right, what used to be labor. No, yeah, right. And also again, it's a leadership thing, right? They're fed up with the, they think the Yelapid is, is being too um, dictatorial. There's no um, there's also no primaries there. So say, okay, you're not going to let me be leader. I'm going to try something else. And the, the, the sorts of personalities that they're talking about bringing into, um, that he's talking about joining him, uh, we'll see. But I think it's trying to get more left than, than, than where Yeshatid is. Yeah, I think aside from thinking that, that Lapid was too, held the reins too tightly, also I, thought, I think he thought Lapid made too many overtures to the right and to the orthodox in trying to be a unifier. Uh, and he's, he, he saw people defecting from Yeshatid from that position. So he was like, okay, so let's be left. And Yelapid's Ye- still trying to keep this, we're everything to everyone. And, and uh, I don't think that went well. Okay, last question. The parties as we see them now, will these be the parties running for re-election in whatever it is? What, it's going to be in like August? before Pesach, no? Yeah, uh, it's it's in August. The elections. Oh, the, the elections are before Pesach. No, no, what's the next? Not the fifth, the just the fourth. I'm one step about at a time. Already. The fourth election. Uh, March twenty. I think it's March twenty third. Oh, March twenty third. So, do we know what parties will be running, or are they still going to be mixing and matching by then? Oh no, they'll be they'll be yeah, coalitions. Definitely. They'll definitely be definitely. coalitions forming to run as together. Yeah, for sure. So all we're doing. I wouldn't to, rule out a Bennett's uh, thing. Yeah. It depends. So all it, we're doing ben, today ben is giving ben, a snapshot. Exactly depends, uh, Bennett. Bennett has to make a decision if he's going left or right. <laughs> you know, if he wants. Well, everything if is. If he relative, wants to take. But, yeah. What would be? What would that mean? If he wants to go Smotrich and that Smotrich and then to those, you know, uh, borderline fascist religious parties that they've played with before, um, uh, or. I would be very surprised if he did that just strategically because that's that's heading more yeah. to the fringe. I would think. I agree. I agree, but, I'm, uh, yeah, but he's going to have to make he, a, that decision. Yeah. If he's going to stay within the religious, you know, religious block. That's we, what right. I'm saying. And I think him and Gidon Saar might might join my analogy, some formal alliance. In my head, Israeli political parties are like when when you watch a lava lamp that sometimes it glops together and makes big pieces and then they break apart and they make little pieces. But it's it, it's really all the same stuff. It's just glopping different shapes. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. So all we're doing today is just a little snapshot of where we are today. Yeah. And But we're not predicting what's going to happen other than, buckle up, can we, en- oh, I guess I'm sticking in one more quick question. Can we enjoy watching the politics or are we too burnt out? We who love to watch these things. Is there any joy left in watching the political sportsmanship? No, no I'm done. I, I, I still find it. If you're, if you're seeing it as a sport, mm-hmm. fine. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's when it gets like that really nasty personal like attacks, then I'm like, okay, forget this. Like they speak, they speak about each other and to each other in a way that 
I wouldn't tolerate my children speaking like that. Yeah. So, it, and that really annoys me. So Alan's too grossed out. I'm Matt can separate the sports from the. No, I'm emotionally, yeah. I'm emotionally, mentally, you know, exhausted and done with it all. I'm so disappointed in, in the leadership, that I'm done. Yeah, I actually, I, I, okay, so I have to confess, fellows, that uh, going to fourth elections is actually making me slightly optimistic with with new-looking parties that shuffling the deck, even if we end up going to fifth, which is likely. I, I wonder if, look, Saar pulling out, like Netanyahu's chances are different. He broke the center, but now the right is breaking in interesting ways. And, I, and I'm not going to predict this is the end of Netanyahu because that's never a good bet. But at a certain point, you know, even a cat has nine lives. At a certain point, there's the 10th try. So I don't know. We're Maybe only on something four, different brother. Come to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless, unless you want, yeah, unless well, you want to call it the fifth because after the 90s, he kind of lost the life there at the end of the 90s. So, so maybe this true. is the fifth right, life right. that he's on. You know? Right. Yeah, well, maybe he won't make it to all nine. I don't know. And I do think, I, and I really do think he's the thing that needs to change. I think we could head to more functionality. Uh, and, and, and the grooming of new leadership if he steps aside and lets other people uh, step in. So, great work, fellows. That, I think, was excellent. Matt, we could not have had a better third chair for this. A yeoman's job uh, laying out the scenarios and the and the personalities. Alan, thank, thank you as you always. Uh, we don't have to log off Zoom, but this is the end of the episode. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.